Hey everybody, what's going on? This is Emil Wang recording the inaugural E Wang Bang podcast. Everyday thoughts by everyday people on subjects ranging from comedy, movies, TV shows, sports, anything in pop culture that comes across my mind. We'll talk about it. We'll try to bring on people who know something about it. If not, hopefully I'll be able to make you laugh. Now many of you know, going to the movies is a big part of my life. In my mind, nothing's better than going to the theater, spending $20 on a giant-ass tub of popcorn and soda, and then catching a flick. There is nothing more American than the movie theater experience. Well, other than beating up some minorities and the diabetes, that's pretty American too. So I wanted to kick things off with talks about two movies I've seen recently, Logan and John Wick 2. And joining for this, joining me for this is a very good friend of mine, the one, the only Jeffrey Liu. How's it going, man? Pretty good, man. Thanks for having me on. And Jeff, for those of you who don't know, is a comic book enthusiast, a movie buff, a martial arts extraordinaire. Am I missing anything else? Quality basketball player? Uh, yeah, all right. We'll see about that. <laughs> one of the most accurate shooters of all time, Jeffrey. There's, there's a reason I'm not in your other podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. And for those of you who don't know, I am uh, working on a, um, a separate Golden State Warriors podcast, so please stay tuned for that. Um, so I, we're going to start things off by talking about Logan. Um, Logan's the third standalone Wolverine movie with Hugh Jackman in his final appearance as Wolverine, Patrick Stewart as Professor X, and newcomer Daphne Keene as X-23. The premise of the movie is essentially a future where mutants are extinct and Wolverine and Professor X are living in hiding. Their situation changes when they are tasked with protecting X-23 from an anti-mutant mercenary gang called the Reavers. Now, this movie is supposedly loosely based on the comic book Old Man Logan, um, and we'll get into that a little bit later. Um, This movie has been very well received by both critics and in the box office, and well, I have to say, have I have some very different thoughts on that. But before we get into any of that, we'll talk a little bit about the characters X twenty three and Wolverine, the movie itself, and also touch on the actual comic book where you know this uh, the material is loosely based off of. Um, so I guess before we go anywhere, we should really understand who is X twenty three. So Jeff, can you uh, tell us a little bit about this character? Absolutely. So uh, for anybody who has kept up loosely with the Wolverine comics, uh, we know that Wolverine is part of the Weapons Plus program. Weapons Plus started off with Weapon 1, or Weapon I in Roman numerals, uh, which is Captain America, and Wolverine ultimately ending up as Weapon X, or Weapon 10. Wait, so I actually didn't know this. So can you go into more about the... How how, how is... Who created Captain America then? So uh, Captain America was created by an organization called the SSR, which was the Marvel Universe equivalent of um, the American Super Science Program. Uh, if you go back and watch Captain America, the first Avenger, they actually do a pretty good job of explaining it. Um, uh Professor Erskine was the one who initially created the super soldier formula and put it into Steve Rogers, but Erskine was assassinated during the application of the formula. Now, unbeknownst to the Nazi scientists and the other scientists in the building, uh, there was a secret procedure uh, 
in the Captain America formula that wasn't revealed to anybody else. So in the decades that followed Captain America, they kept on trying to recreate the super soldier serum. And they did various uh, different variations on it. And then when they couldn't perfect it, they started experimenting in different ways. Uh, They started experimenting on African-American soldiers, then animals. Then when mutants made their, you know, grand entrance into the Marvel Universe, they started experimenting on them. And ultimately they came across Wolverine. Wait, so you mean to say that they experimented on African-Americans before they experimented on animals? It's fucked up. Yeah. Uh, American history, Emil. Try and read up sometime. Oh, yeah. I I heard about the slavery thing before, I think. (laughs) Okay, so X-23, going back to her. um, So she's part of this Weapon X program? Yeah, so basically Wolverine was the probably one of the more successful candidates that went through the Weapon X program, and uh, the Weapons Plus program kept a really close eye on him throughout the years. And eventually, because he was such a successful candidate, they decided to take his genetic material and directly clone him. X-23 was the result of that cloning process. She is the genetic equivalent of Logan in every conceivable way. Uh, She just developed as a female. And, you know, without going into too many details, that's the primary difference between uh, Logan and X-23, whose name in the comics is Laura Kinney. Uh, They have the exact uh, exact same crazy healing factor, the exact same sort of feral killer instincts, and... Um, Wolverine has three claws that come out of his knuckles, but instead, because Laura is the female version of uh, Wolverine, she has two offensive claws that come out of her knuckles and one defensive claw that comes out from beneath her, uh, between her toes. Gotcha. So now that we know a little bit about X-23, let's talk about the actual movie. Um, I mean, Jeff, you know my thoughts. I was not a huge fan of the movie. 94% 94% on Rotten Tomatoes is way overrated. But what do you think? I mean, I'm actually right there with you. I, I, as an avid Wolverine fan and, you know, as an avid fan of Hugh Jackman as Wolverine over the course of all these years, I mean, like, lo- he was great as Logan, but the movie itself was just lacking in story. And, you know, at many, many parts, it was really unimaginative to me. Right, and you know, not to go into too many spoilers, but, well, I guess we'll just go into them since um, you know, that's how we roll. Um, but I, I feel like the movie just cashed in on the nostalgia of us being attached to the actors playing these characters and, you know, weren't didn't really commit to telling a coherent story or doing anything different. I mean, you know, guy and a girl on a run, you know, an adult making promises to children and, you know, not coming through with those promises at first, but eventually coming around at the end. I mean, we've seen that in, you know, so many movies. I, I just, you know, I think of Man on Fire. I think of uh, Man from Nowhere, which is that, that Korean movie. Um, but it just, there was nothing unique. And like you said, just nothing imaginative about this. And I mean, you know, I, I completely agree with your points. And the thing is, this story has been done better. If anybody has played the video game The Last of Us, that yes. is the way yes. that you do a pseudo father daughter sort of 
um, storyline. But beyond that, Logan has never been established through Hugh Jackman as being a father character. If you read the comic books, you'll see that he was a great mentor to both Kitty Pride and Jubilation Lee, uh, two characters that were, you know, frankly thrown away by Fox uh, when they d decided to do the X-Men movies, Wolverine never had a relationship with any of them. In fact, Wolverine never really had a father relationship with anybody except for Rogue here. So Fox was really relying on people to have that understanding of Wolverine, that you know he had this fathery figure within him and that he was going to take care of this girl. And that expectation you know, just was not met by the movie at all. It, it was established there. But, you know, they, they made us promises that they really just could not keep. So how about as a standalone movie then, uh, without, you know, taking any of the source material into account and, you know, taking into any of the you know, previous movies into account, what did you think? And see, I think that's where, uh, I think that the storytelling was a little bit lazy. Uh, I don't know about everybody else. I mean, everybody has a different opinion how they feel about fighting your clone. But I just think that when you make the main villain a feral version of the same character that you have. <laughs> exactly. It's it's just, it's lazy. It's 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 uh, Julia Roberts in Ocean's 12, you know. It's Jet Li in The One. Like, they had such a great opportunity here to introduce something else something new you know and you know i'm not trying to tie it into the rest of the franchise but at the end of this movie there's obvious uh, potential for a sequel here you know all the children make it out you can establish an organization that um, can act as a, a villain for future iterations of the movie but they didn't do that they chose instead to kind of do a lazy send-off to hugh jackman and I, I want to get back to the, the children bit in a second, but you, you touch on something interesting that he basically fights a clone version of himself. And one of my problems with a lot of these superhero films is that every superhero ends up fighting like a bigger, badder version of himself. You know, Wolverine fought Sabretooth early on. Iron Man fought, um, I don't know who that, who that guy was, <laughs> but uh, his uncle who got the same powers, Hulk fought Abomination. You know, Spider-Man fights Venom. I mean, it, it, you know, fighting more advanced versions of themselves is, has just been done so much. And ultimately, it just, you know, the hero wins by just having a, a stronger will, which, you know, is nice. But you, you would like to think that they would come up with something more, uh, more tactical to, to defeat their enemies. And that's the other thing about Logan. They didn't have to bring in a, a bigger, stronger villain or anything like that. This was supposed to be a send-off to Hugh Jackman. I mean, let, let, let's call a spade a spade, you know. It, you could have not had a villain in this. You could have made this a true human interest story, a real Western, you know, as it were. Have him fight off normal people and show that his ailing body just couldn't keep up with him. One final ride for Logan. And really, that was what was promised in all of the trailers. That was what was promised with that, you know, beautiful rendition of uh, Hurt by Johnny Cash early on in the promotion for this film. And they just didn't follow through. They followed the formula. And, you know, you can say what you will about Marvel, but Marvel has done a good job with its own studio films in providing kind of a 
cohesive storyline that it's building up to something here you know the the cracks are showing you know they 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 just didn't care enough they didn't spend enough time on the storyline they didn't spend enough time thinking about what their ultimate vision for wolverine would be and this is the end product of that yeah and and kind of touching on um you know the 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 product and you know going back to the hype i mean everyone made a huge deal about this movie being an r-rated film um in some aspects you know i gotta say the action i thought was pretty awesome brutal awesome um heads getting chopped off with you know the claws which you know is essentially what he's been doing this whole time you just never see it i thought that part was awesome i think you know wolverine you know saying fuck every other sentence was very enjoyable very humorous i have a problem with any r-rated film ending with just a group of children no r-rated film should end with a group of children other than horror films and you know, that has to be, you know, a group of children surrounding your, your protagonist and just, I don't know, eating their faces off or doing something really <laughs> fucked up. But, I mean, just including the children, tying in that kind of, that cheesy humor of them, you know, shaving him. I mean, I was like, who are you trying to appeal to? Because if if your target audience was, you know, an, you know people who would appreciate in our film, why would anybody, like, it, it doesn't help having the children do those kind of cheesy things. And I, you know, in the last, you know, 10 minutes or whatever, just all the children surrounding on the villains and killing them. I mean, it just felt like, it just felt like a, like a really shitty, yeah, it was uncohesive. It was like a, a shitty version of like, you know, like the lost boys ganging up on like hook or, uh, you know, Smee or something like that. So, you know, and, and I, I want to do ta- I, I do want to take a second to, to talk about the points that I did admire in the film. They were all, there was a lot of beautiful imagery in this film. The R rating was earned in the first 15 to 20 minutes of the mm-hmm. film. The first scene of this will be iconic for, you know, years to come. That is how you're supposed to open. That is how you develop a character without really speaking as to the history that the character has gone through. You know, you see Logan being battered and bruised, and I had such high expectations from that point on. And, you know, you, and as the story progressed, as Logan found these, you know, new little mutants that uh, he was supposed to mentor in one way, that's when the thread started unraveling for me. But it was for a different reason. And and he, here's the thing. It, it's, it's the same with superhero movies as it is with horror movies. Audiences hate it when the protagonists in a movie make unforced errors. You have Logan, who is at the end of his rope, who does not have any powers, and he's introduced to a group of young mutants who are designed, you know, by by a genetics company to be super soldiers. And then all of a sudden they get chased down by these soldiers and they forget how to use everything. <laughs> that, I mean, that's, that's, that's an unforced error. You know, they could have easily remedied that. Oh, and speaking of, yeah, going on to that, um, I mean, they could have just fucking killed that cyborg man in the beginning of the film when they drove him out into the desert. I mean, Wolverine had no problem, you know, cutting up hillbillies in the, you know, the trying to steal his car. Or was it hillbillies or cholos? I can't remember. But cholos, it was cholos. Yeah. yeah, they were in wife beaters. I forgot. Um, but, I mean, for whatever reason, he did, he did not want to kill the main Reaver leader, so he let him live. And... 
hey, had he killed him in the first place, you know, none of this would have ever happened. They would have gotten away scot-free. So uh, totally agree with you there. Um, moving on, you know, talking about the, the quality of the acting, I, I think you and I are in agreement. Hugh Jackman, great. You know, yeah. Gold, yeah. gold, gold standard. Yeah. Fan, fan. Per- perfect casting. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I read something that actually Bob Hoskins was originally supposed to be cast as <laughs> as Wolverine. So that, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That, good thing that didn't happen. But um, I do want to talk about uh, Daphne Keene as Laura Linney. I mean, you know, we're trying to stay away from the source material. I, I thought she did do the whole, um, the you know, killer girl with, you know, with social awkwardness pretty well. Um, I, I guess my only thought is, hey, you know, Stranger Things just came out earlier this year. She was basically a carbon copy of Eleven, you know, um, and they even kind of look alike if you think about it. Uh, River Tam from Serenity slash Firefly, same thing, killing machine with, um, you know, social issues. So I guess my question to you, Jeff, is did Daphne Keene or did you know, the X-23 character bring anything new to the, to the kind of psycho girl killer that's trying to make her way in the world? Um, I think Daphne Keene did an, an incredible job as Laura Kinney. And, you know, I, I, I see the parallels that you're drawing between uh, Eleven from Stranger Things and, you know, even earlier River Tam from Serenity and Firefly. But I, I think the key difference is there um, that you still see humanity uh, in Laura. And she's been raised in a certain way that, you know, she she's still in a developmental phase. If, if you look at Eleven and Stranger Things, she's completely removed from any sort of positive adult influence. And if you look at River Tam, even though she has a positive adult influence through her brother Simon, she's still just, you know, that there's something inexplicable about her that makes her the way that she is, either um, due to her experimentation or any sort of you know, mental illness that she has. Th- those two are unique characters. I think Laura brings this aspect where she really is trying to connect with somebody that is essentially her father, but is having difficulty because of the natural inclination for both of them to be isolationists. Yeah, and actually, you, you do make a good point. I mean, she does want to be with her friends, right? She does make a big deal right. about it. And, and I think, you know, Eleven is, you know, kind of makes friends, but, you know, doesn't it's not one of her motivations in the beginning. River Tam, just complete psychopath, you know, and just kind of learns to accept the rest of the uh, the Serenity crew. Um, but, yeah, I, I guess I'd be curious to see if, um, you know, they, they keep her on as, as part of the franchise, and we'll, we'll get into that a little later. Um, sorry, a little blip right there. Uh, I, I do want to get into the comic book. I, I think for, you know, the... the the casual listener uh, or <laughs> casual uh, Marvel movie watcher may not know a whole lot about Old Man Logan. So, um, Old Man Logan is is, uh, is is similar to the movie in the sense that it does take place in the distant future. Um, well, an old man. Logan is an old man. He's living in uh, Sacramento instead of Texas, um, and he's living in. Uh, He's not necessarily living in hiding. He's just kind of living in peace. Uh, the difference here is that he actually has a family and two kids, um, a, wife. a wife, yeah, a wife and two kids. Um, and in this future, it's not only the X Men that have been exterminated. It's essentially all superheroes, um, with the exception of, you know, the Red Skull, who you know is the president of the United States. Uh, Kingpin runs uh, 
Las Vegas, uh, Las Vegas, um, and then the other big one, which is hilarious, is the Hulk is uh, basically the ruler of California, and him and uh, She-Hulk have a bunch of inbred children who basically go around terrorizing everybody. Um, and uh, you know, X twenty three is not involved with this. Um, Professor X isn't involved with this, um, but there there is a kind of a uh, accident back uh, there still is a, an accident that happened in Westchester and I think that kind of twist is uh, really what you know sets off Logan as you know to, to basically become who he is um, in the comic book um, I, you know I, I there are some very very big differences between the movie and the comic book I highly recommend reading the comic book it's uh, it's odd it's, it's an eccentric read. Uh, yeah, very. You know, kind of reminds me of you know Frank Miller's uh, The Dark Knight. Uh, Anything right. by Frank Miller. Actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is just kind of a very, very a trippy read, but very good one uh, with some very, very good artwork. Um, I don't know if you have anything to add. Well, I mean, I think that Old Man Logan is. Uh, I mean, it's a standalone title, honestly. Um, this film doesn't have a whole bunch of connection to it except, you know, to explore, oh, you know, a what-if sort of situation. What if Wolverine got old? What if Wolverine's power stopped working? You know, all this other stuff. Uh, old Man Logan, I think, is an interesting read just so that casual fans of the Marvel Universe can just see how deep the rabbit hole goes. Uh, the Old Man Logan universe exists in... Uh, kind of an alternate dimension an alternate future and you know marvel has been known to do this to explore certain things when you know super villains take over or if uh you know one of the superheroes in the marvel universe goes crazy and i i think the biggest um thing of uh, about old man logan is that he is finally able to see what path he needs to take to, to find peace in the world. And the unfortunate part of it is, is that all mutants have to be dead for him to find peace. Um, you know, in, in this comic book, he, he's hypnotized into killing all of the existing X-Men. And, uh, that sets him on this course where he becomes suicidal. He's lost all of his friends. And then once he's finally let go of all the other aspects of his life, he's, kindly kind of finally able to let go he no longer has that pressure to become that superhero the role model for mutants of the future so you know that's uh, that that alone is uh, is uh, is cause enough for you know any anybody to pick up old man logan and to, to give it a little bit of a read yeah definitely uh definitely a good read um you know if uh, anybody has a chance be sure to check it out uh i want to wrap this discussion up with your thoughts on the x-men franchise as a whole um, does it need a reboot? What are the talks anyway? I mean, last I heard, um, you know, Brian Singer, I don't think was going to do anymore. I mean, I, I think that the talks are at this point that Fox knows that it can keep on pushing a six, a financially successful franchise. I, I really don't think you need a hard reboot on this because, Really, I mean, the casting on most of the X-Men movies are just fantastic. Fassbender as young Magneto, uh, McAvoy as young Professor Xavier. Uh, I mean, they're they're great. They, they hit their roles on the head. I just think at this point that you need some sort of 
story continuity. You know, you don't want to fall into the trap that the comics give you. You don't want to fall into all these alternate storylines and make the premise of X-Men so convoluted that the casual fan can't pick it up anymore. Um, moving forward, I really think that Fox needs to put in more effort to do something along the lines of what um, uh, they did with Spider-Man uh, and try and do some sort of partnership with the you know greater Marvel Cinematic Universe because some of the team-ups that are, are available, I mean, really, the, the saddest thing that I've seen, and I know that Ryan Reynolds has really been lobbying for um, Hugh Jackman to come back as Wolverine for a Deadpool um, uh, team of, of, of some sort, but one of the greatest uh, shortcomings that I've seen of, uh, of this lack of a partnership or lo- lack of cohesiveness across the Marvel Universe is that Wolverine never got to fight alongside Captain America and develop that relationship throughout the films. And that would have been incredible if Chris Evans had teamed up with Hugh Jackman at some point and done a Captain America Wolverine movie. I guarantee that would have been just an enormous success. And, you know, if you kept on going down that line, if Ryan Reynolds really is successful in pulling in Hugh Jackman to do it again, they could do X-Force. They could do a whole new franchise off of that. They could develop X-23's character. They could get a great Cable. Cable's casting is being, uh, you know, dropped very, very shortly as well. They could do so many things, and the potential is just wide open for them if they could make a little bit more sense of their business. All right, and uh, just to wrap this up, one more question. If they were going to reboot everything and cast, uh, recast Wolverine, who would you choose? I, you know, In my mind, I was thinking, uh, I mean, I'm not going to be one of those Asian guys that says, you, know, you need to cast an Asian guy in the universe. Um, I, I think you, you still need a white man. Um, <laughs> I'm all about that white man as a Wolverine. Um, I, I, I think I would go with... Um, Somebody uh, a little shorter, though. I, I don't know why. In, in my mind, I, I think you know Wolverine is Wolverine's five three. Yeah, he's five three, and like in the movie, you know, Logan looked huge. Yeah, yeah, he was looked like shredded. He looked like he was like a you know basketball player or something. So, hey, uh, I want I mean, Tom Cruise would be awesome. I think. Uh, I don't know. What are your thoughts, Jeff? Um, I, I mean. <laughs> There's not that many actors that can pull off Wolverine very well. Uh, if I, I mean, without even thinking of shorter characters, really, the one that comes to mind, the one that has the gruffness, the one that has the same sort of rugged um, durability, is Jeremy Renner. I mean, Renner is already Hawkeye in in the in the uh, greater Marvel Cinematic Universe, but yeah, I mean, Renner has that s- same sort of dry sarcastic sardonic tone when he speaks um he has that no nonsense sort of attitude and you know it it just it just really wouldn't work any other way the the other guy that i was thinking about but he's also already appeared in a marvel movie in fact he's appeared in an x-men movie as bolivar trask is peter dinklage peter dinklage i think would be an incredible uh wolverine because he brings that gravity of uh, of the character to you know whatever role that he does and you know, say what you will, but I, I think Peter, Peter Dinklage would make, uh, you know, an amazing Logan moving forward and would maybe touch on the more philosophical edge of Logan and some of the stories that they weren't able to pull off as well with, you know, such a macho guy like Hugh Jackman. Well, thanks, Jeff, on, for your thoughts on Logan. We're going to take a short break and uh, come back to talk about John Wick 2. Stay tuned. <laughs> 